Persecution is not the worst thing that can happen to a believer. The worst thing that can happen is substitution. If you won't go do what God has called you to do, he will find somebody who will listen to him. Raymond Woodward just preached our Georgia District Camp meeting and he shared this revelation with us that you have to be willing to go where God calls you to go, just like in Acts chapter 10. This made me think of my good friend, Justin Kamlick, who is the guest on the Noteworthy podcast today. It's one thing I really admire about Justin is that he's willing to go do whatever is needed. Wherever the call is at, wherever the need is at, that's where you will find Justin. I have the privilege of serving with Justin on the Georgia District Youth Committee. He is the Section 4 Youth Director of the great state of Georgia. He is also a youth pastor and a very well-known worship leader here in Georgia. He just recorded his first single at Vanquish Studios, and he will be singing his new song, Vessel for the King, at North American Youth Congress Talent Search. He's going to be singing on Thursday night, so you don't want to miss it. I I don't want to waste your time. Let's jump right into the interview with my good friend, Justin Kamlick. Let's go. All right. Um, testing. Justin, can you say something? Yeah, check one, two. <laughs> Don't drink your coffee while you're recording. All right. I am here with my good friend, worship leader extraordinaire, uh, youth pastor, you name it. This guy does it. Justin Kamlick. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm doing well. Um, excited to be here. It took me... Uh, Longer than I thought to get here. I expected you to ask me on the podcast a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I felt like I can't start with that much uh, dynamics. Right. I have to no, no, work no, no, up. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if I'm going to get to a Justin Kamlick, yeah, yeah. I've got to work my way there. And that's, not, and that's not to say that I, I mean anything bad about anybody else you've had on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm sure. It, they're all insulted at this point. <laughs> No, man. I really am excited. For you guys listening, it's actually, uh, when we're recording this, is during our Georgia District family camp, so it's a very busy time. Uh, Justin and I both sing on the praise team, lead worship, things like that. Um, I have a hard time keeping up with Justin, but, you know, I try my best. And uh, so we are actually in between services right now, and Justin was so kind to come and hang out. He's actually at the house right now. We've got some good coffee here, and we're getting to spend some time. He's also one of my favorite worship leaders of all time, and I'm really proud to call you friend. I'm glad that you're here. Um, So I wanted to kind of jump in with what you're doing right now and work back, but I'm excited about um, some things that are happening right now. You're singing at... North American Youth Congress talent yeah. search this year. I'm super excited about this. Sure. And uh, tell me a little bit about the process of how that happened. When did that start, and how did you get to this point with it? Sure, it was uh, it was a crazy. It was kind of a crazy process. If you if you know me, I uh, I do tend to lean on the side of a procrastinator occasionally. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> with that being said, I, uh, 
so I had written a song, which we're going to get into that, I think, a little later in the podcast, but I'd written yeah. a little song, and I just, not to get too spiritual about it, but I kind of felt like it was a God thing, really, that encouraged me. Um, so the night before the the uh, submission was due, sorry, the night of okay. the submission was due, mm-hmm. um, I met up w- with Matthew Faircloth, and we decided, we recorded the, the, the song that I was going to submit. And, uh, and we gave it to him uh, the night of, last minute, of course. Can't do it any other way. Right, of and, course. Uh, and so, anyways, to say the process, to say that I'm confused on the process would probably be an understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I just knew that I had to have it in at a certain time. I give it to him. And then um, what I had originally done was played the piano myself uh, recording this song and, and sent it in. And she said... Uh, the lady that was in charge of it, she said, for for this to work, uh, you can't, you have to have, if Matthew was going to play for me, um, he has to be in the video with you. And in the first one I submitted, really, okay. wasn't. So, so if they're not in the video, they can't be involved. If they're not involved. in the video or okay. in the submission, they can't be involved in it. I guess that's wise. That's wise. Yeah, yes. I can see that. Yes. Okay. So as I'm trying to submit and be a part of the process, I'm learning about the process of how to get in so that's why the next night, the next night, I go, I drive down. We we with Matthew, we record the song, and and we submit it that night. So from that point on, they take the they take the submission, and uh, they uh, they give it to like, basically like a committee. Okay. So they have these groups of worship leaders, musicians, um, that will uh, however many several hundred people that have submitted something, they will. Um, they'll look at all those submissions and they'll pick the top like 30 or 40 people gotcha. that they think have an opportunity to, to be some of the finals. Okay. So it's a from, lot of It's a lot. Yeah. So from, I don't, know, I don't know how many actually apply or submit to it, but from uh, that group, um, then they have to go and email each one of the pastors. That's why they narrow it down first. So they have to email each one of the pastors, get their permission, and then after they get the, their permission for the 30... Then they um, they narrow it down to the final. I believe it's twelve contestants. Twelve. Okay. They narrow it down to the final twelve contestants, and so it took about I think it took about three months for them to get it for them to finalize everything and actually. So this know. was all done a while back. A while back, yeah. But it took them. Let me see here. I don't. I can't remember. Recall when I submitted it, but it was. It, I think it took two to three months. Um, when we Did you tell that. anyone that you were doing that? Because I know, didn't know about it until like a what? month ago. I always felt really weird about competitive mm. type things. I always, I was I nervous. That. You know, it kind of, t- I felt like it kind of took me out of my worship setting type mm. deal. Um, and so I always felt uncomfortable. I had, n- I literally had no intentions of ever. This uh, other singer's going down. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. so, and I, I never was. Take this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and that never. Was, I understand that though. That never was. Um, that was never something that I really saw value in, or I, nor I wanted to do. That, especially, you know, the competitive side of things. So sure. I never really had had the interest in it until you know God had kind of given me that song, and I thought, "What's an opportunity if the Lord's given this to me? What's an opportunity for me to maybe 
maybe get that out and then absolutely and you know one thing that i love about the talent search is it is very worshipful it is like i've never felt like especially in 2017 i never felt like it was a competition nope. at all no nope. it just felt like a big worship set yep. and then um and you know the thing about it is is that now i i believe you could win i really do but even if you know the the winning is great but really the opportunity to worship that's right I mean, it's really just getting to do that, getting to be in that stadium. You know, there's going to be 40,000 people yeah. there. Yeah. And just getting to worship in that environment. It, and you as a youth pastor, yeah. you know, there's going to be students there. You're going to yeah. see their lives being impacted. And they're going to get to see you involved in that. Right. So whether you win or lose, I, I think you could that, definitely win. But either way, it's so that's incredible. What that's, what I've told, that's what I've told people. You know, that anything uh, to place or to do anything at all... It, would be gravy on top of the opportunity that it is just to get up there sure. and and get to worship and have the opportunity to, to do something like that. So any, anything else is extra. It's just the opportunity that I'm really So let's be real though right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's just me and you here. Just me and you. No one can hear okay, this. Nobody's yet. here. Yeah, we'll edit this out. If you lose, yeah. you're probably never going back to NAYS. <laughs> I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad. That's I'm going to a wrap. Mistake. I'm yeah. never supporting that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. No, I know it's going to be awesome, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. Now, I knew that you were an incredible singer. I've always known that ever since I've lived here in Georgia. I did not know you were such a great songwriter. I didn't know you were a songwriter at all. And I've learned over time most good songwriters uh, are like camouflage. You don't know that they're actually sure. writing because yeah. the the ones that aren't good songwriters they're like hey I'm a songwriter like they're they're like telling they're like, they're like hey let me tell you. and especially with Rachel and I um, since we've started recording we'll have people come up you know I'm a pretty great songwriter yeah. <laughs> and if I'm you like want to sing something well I'm yeah. I believe it you know and and now I'm I'm being facetious yeah, yeah, of course yeah. I believe in them sure we all have you know a process sure. of, of crafting our yeah. skill but most of the time somebody that's really anointed and God's given them that gift you don't really know they're doing it right and so um, you've got this new song vessel for the king it's sure. amazing I, I need to hear it yep. today I'll, I'll show it to uh, I mean I've heard it but I want to yep. hear we're gonna get into that uh, but tell me a little bit about writing this song and do you have a writing process or does it just happen for you tell so, me about how it works. yeah so in regards to writing, <clears throat> I would be the opposite. I would say I'm, I'm not a writer of songs. Okay. Uh, I, I have I have pinned down a few a few songs, but um, I was to make a long story long. I was <laughs> in I was in a conference at a conference leading worship in South Carolina, and um, and uh, and one of the ministers there um, challenged me with uh, a prayer challenge. And it was a it was a twenty one day, hour a day, prayer challenge. Wow! And uh, and I so I, I obviously negotiated. I said, "Can I do twenty five minutes a day?" Okay. <laughs> it was, whoa! Hold up! Whoa, whoa. Uh, too spiritual. Uh, so that's gonna cut into my yeah. video game. Yeah. So where does Facebook fit in? So it was an hour a day, twenty one day prayer challenge, and so I, I accepted the challenge and. Started this this process of praying, and and, and so uh, each time I would go to the church, and I would start I would start praying. And at the end of one of one of the times I was praying, I um 
I'm like the four chords guy on the piano. Right. You know, CFG or whatever. I, I'm, sure. Uh, that's all I got in me. And uh, so I got done praying, and uh, and so I went to the piano, and I started to play, and I just, I basically just started to sing a little something that that was a prayer. Gotcha. And so... So my heart was that was that God would would make me a vessel, wow. and um, and as I was praying that it probably Nathan it probably took me about you know five ten minutes wow. I had pretty much had the song song out and so I say that to say that I'm not a songwriter because it was very inspirational for me it was it was I felt God put something on my heart that I was praying that it was almost a challenge to me that that God I want you to make me a vessel. Wow, um, and and when I did that, I just started writing it down, and I would play a few chords, and I would sing to it, and um, and so about five or ten minutes into it, I had pinned it down, uh, what God had given me, and and because of that, every time I sing it, I sing it as a prayer. Wow, and that that honestly, you had asked me about some of the studio studio side of things when I went to to record it, <clears throat> and many have asked me about the the stress of going into the studio and stuff like sure. that. For me, uh, you know, the travel and stuff was real stressful. But when I got to the studio, mm-hmm. I, I was I would just revert back that place yeah. to to singing a prayer that I had prayed and something that was on my heart. And that is great. And that's kind of how I took my vision of, uh, of of writing that song was to be intentional about making it a prayer. Bro, it's such a great song. Like I'm not just saying that. Like it's I feel. The presence of God when I listen to it, and I, I can't wait to hear it at NYC. Uh, but I'm so incredibly excited about the fact that you have recorded it yeah. uh, at Vanquish Studios. Oh, yeah. And tell us a little bit about so so recording. Okay, yeah. let's just kind of hit the pause button mm-hmm. here. Recording professionally mm-hmm. is kind of like the Goliath uh, right. to a songwriter's mind you know yeah. how am I gonna you know it's just me it's my song yeah I know other people record but am I ever really gonna do that I, I mean that sure you that was me for sure yeah. it still is me sometimes yeah. I'm like you know Rachel and I have gone three different times we have yeah. three different projects we're working on a fourth one next year every time I go I still feel that wow. and um it's not because I don't believe it can happen. It's just something about it is like this Goliath mentality of how can I do that? And so for you, here you have this song, you've got this opportunity, you know you want to record it, God worked it out for you to go. Um, What was that process like? Was it, I I know we were, I was involved in in just kind of giving you information, but what was that process like once that journey started of, because for you it happened really fast. It, it happened. So. It happened really fast. So my uh, my wonderful sister, she um, I had I had recorded the video, and I had put it basically hidden under all the billions of videos on YouTube. <laughs> yep. No one would have ever found it, you know. <clears throat> and um, and so um, I had never intended on posting it. I recorded the video on YouTube simply for the purpose of submitting something uh, something to. Uh, to the, the talent search, and so my sister posted it, and on Facebook, and then I got a phone call um, a few days later um, of, of someone that said uh, that the song had touched them, and they said wow. we, we want to we want to take care of whatever you need to get this song recorded. So from start to finish, it was a God thing that God began to push it. And so, um, so from the time that I got the phone call 
to about three days later, I was in Miami, Florida. Three to four days later, maybe it was. I was in Miami uh, at Vanquish. And so um, the Goliath to me that you mentioned was so big that it wasn't even even something that I thought, well, maybe one day I'll go and and record something. To me, it was an impossibility. I was mm. never going to. Wow. To do it, I, ne- I never thought that I would be able to or have the capability of it. And so, uh, but little by little, God just started opening doors and opportunities. And um, and so, uh, yeah, from from the time that I got that phone call, through, I think three to four days later, I, w- I was there in Miami. And, and it, I think the speed of it was probably a good thing because all the um, the anxieties or maybe some of the fears of walking into something like that. Sure. I didn't really have a time or an opportunity to have those. It was like, I was just like, there. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's just go do it. And so, and then Joe at Vanquish was incredible. He's amazing. So, so kind, so friendly. Um, and I walked in and I said, you know, I'm about as ignorant as you can get. <laughs> I said, I'm about as ignorant as you can get on this. And and he had fit me into this short little time slot. And I can only imagine what he's thinking. He had only probably heard me sing that one song. You know, he can only imagine uh, how long it was probably going to take us, but I, I, the Lord helped us, and it took us about an hour, and we were able to able to knock it out. So it was a dude. That's incredible. It was an incredible process. It was awesome. You know, um, the studio is a humbling experience. <laughs> it's also it's also a really fun experience. Yes, and Vanquish <clears throat> is such a laid back atmosphere. Yeah. It's so apostolic. You just. You can you can feel the Holy Ghost when you're there. Yes. It's like it, it's just an amazing feeling. But I think my most humbling moment in the studio was when Rachel and I uh, we covered Greater, and I know the the cover we haven't done covers since our first album. But mm-hmm. the Lord told us we did five songs, and the Lord told me each song. Wow! And so even though I had originals. I don't know why in that season there was a couple songs we yeah. I needed to cover. I don't know why. Yeah. It has original songs on it. We did Great and Mighty. We ended up using like most of the first take because take two and three yeah. wasn't really great. <laughs> yeah, and we'd use take one. But when we did Greater, um, if you've heard it, mm-hmm. uh, that's originally a Todd Delaney song and it's all this ad-libbing. All this ad-libbing. So I was used to singing in the studio at that point. It was like the third day that I was in the studio because we had three whole days the okay. first time I went. Because we had musicians coming through. We had yeah. a cellist that came wow. and played live. It was wow. the whole process. And uh, it hit me that, wait a second, I'm here singing greater. There's no praise team. There's no audience. I'm not in church. And it hit me in that moment in the booth. I've got to sing this like I'm in church. Wow. I've got to sing this like there's an audience in front yeah. of me. And so that was the most intimidating moment. Yeah. It wasn't great and mighty or in your presence yeah. when glory washes glory. Those were all very natural. But for some reason, covering uh, a song like that, that is like full team. Yeah. To sing to a congregation that's not that's there. That's not there. You got to trick your mind. Somehow. I did. I had to. Uh, Joe and I stopped and we had prayer. Wow. We prayed about it, and he said, "Sing like you're in church." And I closed my eyes, and I just pictured 
the congregation. Yeah. And I and I closed my eyes and it literally felt like I was in a church service. Mm. And hopefully now I don't know why God wanted us to do that song, yeah. but for whatever reason, um, I, I, I saw later what God did with that. Yeah. And what he used for that. But it can be a very intimidating it can. thing. And Joe did you have so, moments like that? Joe was, yeah, Joe was so awesome about, um, number one, about recognizing the preconceived notions of a novice, mm. especially coming into a studio. Wow. Um, and and he, he kind of encourages you, especially on the first takes and things like that, to make it as natural and as real and as vulnerable as you possibly can. Um, especially as a worship leader, you have the concept that when you go up there, I've got to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. I've got to make it perfect. And we feel like that if we don't, we're a failure. And so even even though we like to think that we're so spiritual that that doesn't happen, we still we still do that. We still get up there sure. and we we try to make everything perfect when we sing. And we don't want any opportunity for our vulnerability, our mistakes, our humanity to be shown yeah. to people. And and he knows that and especially as a worship leader when you're you're in the praise team it's a little different because you're kind of mixed with the group but out there by sure. yourself and so you walk into the studio with that same that same notion as though as though you can't mess up and he says look you, you've got to be as vulnerable and as real if your voice cracks it cracks if you right. slip and fall you slip and fall but guess what ain't nobody here watching we're going to get back up and do it again so he did an incredible job of making you feel comfortable that's amazing and, uh, and when you do that and, and you stop worrying about yourself and how you're going to do, you get to uh, to be a little more free. Yeah. And then that's when, it took a little bit, but that's when, in singing that song that I wrote, I was able to get back into to worship while I was singing. Even even wow. if we took four or five takes, I would still, each time, try to get make it a worship. Into that moment. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny that we <clears throat> do that as worship leaders. I, I wrote an article for my brother Ryan's blog a couple years ago mm-hmm. called five mistakes every worship leader makes okay and you know i know this is shocking but i learned them by experience (laughs) and you're not perfect one of the one of those five was that we put too much pressure on ourselves we feel like this the service there's like a make or break there sure with the service that somehow some way there's no way I could mess up the whole service. Yeah. And I just don't think that God is that limited to you. Nope. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Now, I know that what we're doing is important. Sure. But God can work outside of my limitations. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like as worship leaders, we put that on us. And so I tried to apply that in the studio. Yeah. This isn't make or break. No. This isn't going to destroy me or make me. Yeah, you know what I there mean. This is going to be what God's going to do in this. Well, moment. that's one of the most popular. If you take <clears> one of the most popular quotes in ministry, even the the idea that um, you know that if I beat myself up for something I did that wasn't great, then in the same turn I will take credit mm, for wow. something that I did that I think was great or believed to be great. Wow, that's good. And so I have. We have to get rid of those notions of of somehow I'm going to make or break something God did. Right. We essentially take our talents and we put it in His hands, and then we allow the glory and the credit to go to Him, whether we fail or succeed. Now that that doesn't give us a license to go up there with with no desire to be uh, have excellence. Sure. Right. We still try to have excellence and do it right. Right. But if we fall, because we will, 
we still have to say in the good and the bad, God gets the glory either way. Right. Absolutely. Man, I feel like I could like, <clears throat> for the sake of time, I can. But sure. I I could talk about we could we could do a whole podcast on worship leading right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, I wanna I wanna shift and and talk a little bit about youth ministry, mm-hmm. and because uh, for the audience listening, Justin and I actually both serve on the Georgia District Youth Committee. Um, I'm the Section Five Director. What's your section again? Section, section four. four. Yeah. Right, you've always been just one underneath. No, <laughs> no, so and it's it's a real honor to get to serve with you on the committee. We have a lot of fun. We actually we have committee meetings tomorrow. Actually, yeah. Yep. So we're going to spend a lot of time together this yep. week. It's a pleasure. And uh, but in youth ministry, I've always respected how uh, you jump in with whatever's needed at at youth camps. Um, you've helped with things at youth services at my church before, you name it, you've been involved in it. And so uh, as the podcast is growing, I'm learning that a lot of our listeners are aspiring ministers. They're, They're looking for advice on, you know, it's, that's kind of the Goliath to them. Yeah. You know, like I want to be involved in ministry, but what can I, what can I do? And so one thing that I've got some really positive feedback from is just when did you know that that God called you to ministry? Yeah. Like what? Because everybody's moment is so different. Sometimes it's not a moment. Sometimes it's many different things yeah. that lead you to that. So what was it for you that moment in your life when you said God is God's calling me to the ministry? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the calling. Uh, to ministry, um, number one for the listeners. As we get into this, um, anything, most of the things that I say are I say this to my youth group as well, or even when I'm preaching. That these things, I'm a young minister. These are things that I'm developing and growing in. How old are you now? I'm, I'm 25. Just turned 25. And so my whole everything I'm doing right now is still. I, I guess that never ends. Is still a part of my developmental process of growing uh, and who God wants me to be. But with that being said, for a long time, I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, I was a PK my whole whole life, uh, still am. Um, And um, I I honestly ran from from the ministry. I didn't didn't want to receive it. I grew up, if any PKs are listening to this, probably most of you play drums. If you, if you grew up in a pastor's home, more, more than likely, especially a home missions church. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And uh, and so I, I, I played drums. And so um, that became my uh, my hiding place. Uh, I, would, I would hide uh, behind an instrument and play. And I felt the call of God uh, all my life um, at youth camps at a young age. Wow. Probably anywhere from 12 to 13 that I started to begin to feel the draw of God on my life. But I, I refused to, to have any part of it. I saw uh, oftentimes the, some of the struggles that my, my parents went through and some of the, uh, some of the more um, hard times of ministry that I had saw. And so, so some of that kind of pushed me away from the desire for it um, until I was about uh, 17 or 18. I had never touched a microphone before. I had never, I had never spoke behind the pulpit or sang 
or anything until I was 18. Really? Or, okay. Yeah, never, never done anything. I didn't realize that. And um, I just played the drums, and uh, and so a minister that had influenced had come and and connected with me and, and encouraged me to do more. Now we're still talking about the season. I'm still not really wanting to do. Sure. He's just asking me to activate and do something. At this point, you're still working on your multi-million dollar That's right. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. My uh, my pyramid scheme. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, so he encourages me. He says, "Look, I want you to do this." So he he wants me to sing a song at church. And so I sing. Uh, a few weeks later, I sing this little song. Uh, you know, the, the clouds don't separate. And this guy doesn't open up, and God's glory doesn't rain down. It's just a little song. I, I get off and do my thing. That's it. But um, little by little, I began to to get involved in things. I wanted to help out. I wanted to be involved in what my, my my family, my parents were doing. And little by little, I started to to get involved. And I found out that the more I got involved, the more I wanted to be connected to what God wanted me to do and to be oh, wow. and uh, and I found out that um, that my calling began to be developed and what I felt a call to was developed when I got involved um, so for those whoever that are dealing with with the question of what God's calling them to do or to be um, if you have the preconceived notion I, I believe that that somehow God's just going to come and write it on the wall when you maybe haven't made any effort or been active in any part of the kingdom or been a servant or had that heart, wow. um, I think that the, I believe wholeheartedly that the, that the calling and the things that we do for the ministry are going to make room for themselves. But we've got to activate and say, I'm going to do something. If it's, if it's helping out with, uh, with, with, with serving people, if it's helping out with showing up for outreach, if it's, if it's helping out in the audio, if it's helping out in, in, in serving food to the home, whatever it is, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there. Right. Uh, and then God's going to begin to see that heart and say, now that's something that I can, I can work with. That's something that I can, I can, I can use. And, um, and so that's how my calling or what I felt a call to the ministry, it was not shaped for me. It was not shaped for me by um, by this um, this explosion or, or the the heavens opening up and an angel telling me this is what I'm going to do. Right. It started out with with simple, simply being involved in something, and then God began to develop that, and, and I began to see doors open and opportunity yeah. open. Yeah, it's amazing how that works too, because I've had uh, a lot of people approach me. Mm. I've had people ask, you know, can we go get coffee and and I, I, I want to work in youth ministry. And would you, would you tell me how that works? I mean, very sincerely, with a good heart. Sure, yeah. And, and I've gone to coffee with, with young men that feel a call, and we sat there and had the conversation. And the first thing I'll tell them is, will you feel a call to ministry? Um, are you teaching a Bible study? There you go. Uh, are you involved in your local church? Yeah. Um, it's always a big red flag for me when somebody wants to be involved at camp, but they're not involved at their local church. Wow. That's a big red yeah. flag for me. Yeah. I want to see, uh, as a youth pastor, yeah. the students in my youth group that are used 
in a ministry capacity yeah. are faithful. Yeah. They're there every Sunday. They're there at prayer. They're there. Uh, at, they're they're there at game night, helping clean yeah. up the pizza yeah. and and you know put the Nintendo sure. sixty four back in in the yeah. hallway or whatever yeah. you need to do. That those kids are there doing it, and so I love how. That's what I love about asking that question because yeah. everybody's experience is different, yeah. you know. And I've often thought, what would I say if I were asked that question? Yeah. And that's those are the questions I like the most yeah. when I'm not sure because you never know what the answer is going to be. Yeah. And God uses everybody in a different way. Yeah. Now, I have so many questions I'm not going to be able to ask you sure. in this moment um, because Justin and I. Uh, have to get to a music practice tonight. <laughs> so we're going to be, uh, we're not going to say what time it is right now, but we'll be there shortly. <laughs> we'll get there on time, yeah, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, maybe yeah. just a few so, minutes late. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's a lot of questions I didn't get to ask, sure. and uh, the audience, I think, will back me up. We need to do a part two because I, I have more questions that I sure. didn't get to ask. Um, but I, I want to leave the audience with this. And what words of advice would you give to this generation about serving in ministry and living for God? What is the most effective way uh, for them to be a world changer in the world that they live in? Um, I, and again, as I said previously, this is something that I'm, I'm going to say that I, I'm trying to live by as well and, and grow in. But <clears throat> for those that especially for those that have no experience or connection to ministry. Maybe they're, they're new or they're, or they're just coming in, or maybe their parents aren't in church or had no connection to ministry. You've got to leave some of the preconceived notions that you see of ministry at the door, if you will. Mm. Um, and, I, and I say that not, not saying that you can't be hopeful or excited about something, but, uh, but, but, but basically, uh, in ministry... I've, in my short little time, I've learned that, that things are not going to be oftentimes the way that you planned. Right. Um, and uh, I was in a ministry session today with Brother uh, Woodward. Mm-hmm. and uh, He's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he uh, alluded to some of the things that he was called to be. Uh, he, he was called to, to preach, but before that he wanted to be a teacher. That was his dream. And his goal was other members of his family had been and he wanted to be a teacher and, and God changed the path and he, he instead of going to college to become a teacher he went to Bible college and became a minister and a preacher and he had all these preconceived notions about what he thought his life was going to be as a teacher and one day years down the road he said this day years on the road he was sitting in um, he was sitting in a hotel room ministering somewhere and and it flooded over him all the places in the world that he had taught. And wow. there in the meeting that he listed like 10 countries, not including the U.S., that he had taught in. Wow. And he felt God impress upon him. Your vision was to teach maybe in a high school or to be a teacher at a college one day, but this was my vision. And look what I've done with wow. your life. And he said, God's vision for my life was far beyond anything I ever believed for myself. And so for those that are, that are, that are going into ministry, starting out and, and have the visions, let go 
of the preconceived notions because, or, or the idea maybe that you have for the plan and let God begin to mold that and make that wow. and form that because His vision for your life is going to be a lot more impactful and a lot greater than your own vision uh, for your life. I, I would say that to make it simple, be, be malleable, be usable. Yeah. And, and and let the design that you have somehow mold its way into what God is. And we, I talked to someone about this the other day about, about holiness. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, especially in our organization, we only look at holiness as uh, the outward appearance. But really, holiness, uh, as God said, be holy for I am holy. holy holiness is the idea of trying to, uh, to uh, make ourselves more like Christ. Right, right. And that means we can't have the preconceived notion of what we think everything should be. We base our life off being like Christ. And when we do that, our ministry takes on a whole new level because it's Him that's pulling the strings. It's Him that's pushing it. So that's what I believe is, is really the most effective way to fulfill that calling. That's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that with Absolutely. us. And uh, I know that our audience is going to be blessed by this interview. My only regret is I wish we had more time. Uh, on part two, on part two, there you go. We will visit what your most embarrassing moment is so far on a platform. We will also visit what your sermon preparation looks sure. like. How do you prepare for a youth class? Things like that, and we'll do it, man. If you're ready, we'll do to. a part two. We'll do it. Make it happen in the near future. And I know that you're busy. You know, singing at North American Youth right, Congress. Right. Yeah, 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 probably preaching general conference later. You no, know, the they year. haven't called me out, but I'm planning on calling them. <laughs> I'm planning. I'm gonna, you know what? Don't call me. I'll call I'll you. I'll call you. I'll call you if you want me to preach. I'll call you, dude. I truly, truly, I, I, I mean this with all my heart. I love you. I thank God for what He's doing in your life. I know that you have an incredible future, but He's also doing amazing things right now. And I'm thankful to call you friend. I'm thankful to get to serve in ministry alongside you. And thanks for being on the podcast today, thank man. You, my friend. Thanks,